If you would be seated, we're going to be in Luke, uh, starting, we'll be back in chapter 1, we'll be starting in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, or 57. Luke chapter 1, verse 57. And um, we've been going through the, uh, we're going through the gospel of Luke, and so far from the beginning we saw the promise coming to... um, Still got that kind of, whoo, is that better? I think we got it dialed in again. So um, we've been coming through and we've looked and seen um, kind of the first promise. We had Luke, Dr. Luke, um, sharing the testimonies or the witnesses of the person of Jesus Christ, very in chronological order. And he starts out with the testimony or the witness of Zachariah and Elizabeth as the Zacharias is serving in the temple. They're in their 80s. Um, Angel appears to him and says, hey, you're going to have a child. And Zachariah kind of questions the angel like, I don't see how this is possible. And the angel says, okay, fine, you're going to be mute until until he's born, until this comes to pass. And so we see this old couple that the Bible declares is, is both, they're both righteous and God is working in their lives and, and still using them when they thought they were no longer usable. And we see this couple and, and God using them. And then Mary, we see this young, between 15, 20, girl who's betrothed, who's in a marital contract, who an angel, Gabriel, shows up and says, hey, you're going to have a child. And she believes in that promise and says, hey, there's going to be a sign, and it's Elizabeth, your, your relative's going to be with birth, with child. And so she goes to see her. And right away, Elizabeth says, hey, you're with child, and it's of the Holy Spirit, and believe you know the promise. And so she gets that confirmation right there. And uh, again, I'm saying, you know, they probably got together and were chatting up a storm all excited, and, and poor Zechariah can't even get a word in because he's mute, you know. And so he sits there, and we see this promise, the promise of the Messiah. What an awesome an exciting thing. And, and today we're kind of looking at the scriptures and, and we're going to see the times of rejoicing, that those, those days of rejoicing come on God's promises. But many times you'll see a delay and sometimes a painful delay where God is, is sometimes delaying because he has a plan and, and not that we ever always understand the reasons he delays. Many times it's preparation you know, and so we're going to be looking at these things this morning. Look with me at verse 57, Luke chapter 1, verse 57. It says, And now Elizabeth, full, the Elizabeth's full time came for her to be, deli- uh, to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. Now, so her full time comes to deliver. Mary's possibly still there with her, and she's 80 years old, and she brings forth a son. And what would happen in the day... Um, mind you, they didn't have internet and social media. So, I mean, at first you kind of look at this and go, man, that seems like, you know, a waste of time. But the neighbors, the relatives, they'd all come hang out. They knew, okay, she's going to be due soon. They'd come out. Musicians would come and hang out around the house, be in the neighborhood, waiting for this event to happen. You know, it's like, okay, what are you going to do? Well, you know, such and such supposed to have a baby. Okay, let's go hang out there, you know, and get together and talk, you know. They didn't have quite a chat room, so they went over you know, hung out in the area. And the musicians were ready, but they wouldn't play sometimes. If it was a boy, they'd bust out and, you know, get to show your skills and everything else and 
see who could make probably, you know, best little deal there or whatever and, you know, show off their, their instruments. But if it was a girl, we're not playing nothing. And that was kind of the culture. It's sad, but kind of the culture. And so they're there. They're waiting. And in verse 58 it says, And when her neighbors and relatives now heard now the Lord had shown her great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So the boy's son's born, and they break out, and they start singing, and they're all excited, and they're rejoicing with her. And, and we saw this, that the angel promised this, right? Back in Luke 13, it said, Many will rejoice at his birth. And so they're excited. They're rejoicing. Right? And something just caught me off when I was studying this and looking at the scripture. It says, right, the Lord, the neighbors heard how the Lord had shown her great mercy. Great mercy to her. I'm thinking, is this a different word than the, I mean, the word I know of mercy is not getting what you deserve. You know, or, or you know, it's like uh, the, that explanation of, the, you know, you're driving along and you're beat up car, you don't have insurance, you T-bone a Bentley, you know, and the guy gets out and says, you know what, don't worry about it. You take care of my car, I'll take care of mine. That's mercy, right? Grace is, he gets out and goes, let me take care of my Bentley, and man, you have a beat-up car, let me buy you a new one, you know? So it's not getting what you deserve, but if grace is beyond that, it's getting what you didn't even earn, you know? But I'm like, wow, that's kind of weird. They're showing, you know, the Lord, they show how the Lord showed mercy on her. And, and it's like, okay, was she not, she not, she barren because of something? No, the Lord said she would, they're both righteous, right? It wasn't a sin in her life, as, as her neighbors and many would have said in that culture, especially if you were barren, it was thought of there was some kind of sin, there was some kind of thing. And I'm thinking, how many times do you think Zechariah, a priest, and her wife were going over this? Why haven't we had a child? You know, by the time 80, they'd probably given up on it, but merciful. You know, and you think, well, yeah, God's, God's definitely merciful in this thing, but the mercy, they, their neighbors assumed it was God's mercy. God's merciful, definitely. There's all kinds of things we don't deserve, but their neighbors were thinking, man, this has been a curse and everything else, but here is God's mercy on you for whatever you did wrong. He decided in your old age he's going to take care of it. And it's interesting because it's not God's mercy. Many times you think, you think back and go, okay, does God sometimes delay? And doing something, whatever it is, he delays. There's a painful delay. You know, it wasn't through their sin, but, you know, maybe it produced stuff. I'm sure they questioned, how do you walk? You'd be questioning your life, what's going on here? You know, we all, we all do that, whether it's called analysis through paralysis or something. You know, you just overlook and go over and over and over in your head why something isn't happening. You know, we do see, though, that God delays, and sometimes painful delays. In the same way, Abraham, right? They had no children, Right? Her and Sarah, here's this delay that, that was painful and hard to wait and, and trust in the Lord in. How about Joseph? Here's a promise. Hey, your family, you're going to save your family. They're going to bow down to you. And what happens? Oh, yeah, his family rejects him. And then what happens? Oh, yeah, he saves his family. Look at King David. Hey, you're going to be king of the nation. And next thing you know, you see all these years of him running like a criminal, you know, to become King David. And, and we see this, yeah, you know, it's funny when you slow down, you look at it, and you go, actually, yes, many times God's causes, actually often God causes a painful delay before he does something. You know, you think of uh, how many times you sit there and you look at a bill that's due and you're praying about it, and it just, God, don't you know the cutoff date's this and this? And that provision comes, but it's painful, you know? Or a job, you're waiting to get a job, waiting to find out, praying, God, you know, I needed you to provide, you know? 
Um, the long line at Starbucks, you know, it's early, you haven't had your coffee, dear Lord, no, you know, I'm not a big coffee drinker, but you know, you see those things, but even more than those things, and I mean, those things can be heavy, they can be on our heart, finances, taking care of our families, but long-term illnesses, I've talked about it, I mentioned it before, my wife has lupus, God can heal her in a second, and doesn't, why doesn't he? You know, she's done well. We've prayed every day, and actually we're told, she was told very clearly, hey, stop praying for healing on this. Trust me with it. And so we pray for strength in each and every day, but it is hard. God, why don't you? Why do you delay? What are you producing in this? I know you love her more than I can, but I'm going to wait, and we're going to see. You know, and, and, and you see things, um, you know, as, as I go through and prepare, sometimes some subjects I prefer to leave, but my father... What's the, what's the greatest heart of my father? He knew he was, he was going to pass away for years. He knew his time was short, you know. And the greatest thing when you know you're going is what's important. My, the importancy is my kids know God. They have a real relationship with God. The last six months of his life was very, very hard. Take a man my size... Bring him down to about 75 pounds. Can't walk, can't take care of himself, can't lift himself, in pain. And many times, though, in that time, as we'd hear him hurting or pray with him or him even reciting scripture to me, I mean, he re- you talk about um, so many things God did in that time in my life. A peace I can't understand. Uh, understanding and watching God work. There's never been a time in my life where God hasn't been so real. My dad uh, quoted the whole, like, first 21 verses of Ephesians 5 to me. At the time, didn't really say, I didn't go back and read that. Wow. Why was he sharing with that in the middle of the night when he was hurting? You know? And even though there's painful delay, why don't you just take him home? We rejoiced when he passed away. We came home, my mom just got off of school, went in and checked on him and said, hey, he went home, man. We rejoiced. It was a time of rejoicing. He was home. He's, his race is done. He's finished. He's out of that pain. And, but in that painful delay, God produced exactly what he had been praying for for years. The heart of me and my little sister being there and through that and seeing what God had done, wow. Produced something, produced a peace, and there's nothing I would trade that for. And you'd think, wow, what a horrible situation. How can God allow this suffering? But what he produced out of it was amazing. You know, I can't even imagine what was going through Elizabeth's head and heart for all those years, all the mocking, all the judgment. And here this day comes, this day of rejoicing, what God is doing, what God is producing. You know, and... It's amazing to see in, in Romans, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse uh, 3, we'll, I'm going to read here. It says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and the character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Yeah, tribals and tribulations we will live through as Christians. We will go through these things, but God is producing 
amazing things, amazing things in our lives. And as we sit and we pray and we're seeking God and how to guide us and, and grow us in the fellowship and how to use us, and sometimes we can sit here and go, oh, there's painful delay. It's hard to see, you know. It, it can be discouraging, you know. I, I think of how many times we get together in prayer and we're praying for family members that don't know God or somebody struggling, right? And then suddenly online, Eva posts, my granddaughter accepted Christ today. Woohoo! We've been praying for her years, right? Time of rejoicing. Amazing. God's working. God hears our prayers. God heard Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer and he answered it. On in verse 59 here, it says, On the eighth day that they had came to circumcise the child, and when they have called him, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zechariah. So, in the tradition, on the eighth day, they would come and circumcise the Jewish child, and that was a good time to do it. Um, God knows that the body's ready, vitamin K and all those things on the eighth day are there. And name, normally they'd come and name them after like a grandpa, right? They'd come and that would be the name you'd, you'd bring down your grandpa's father's name or something like that. And in this case, the grandpa Zachariah. Let's call him Zachariah. You know, this is our tradition. We name a family name. And so in verse 60, his mother Elizabeth answered and said to them, No, he shall be called John. Like, what? So in verse 61, they say, But they said to her, No, there's no one among your relatives called by this name. This ain't our tradition. You don't got any family members. You know, we name after family members. Who's this? You're going to call him John. Please don't be these people. I mean, I can be these people. I've been these people. But, you know, well, our tradition is we name somebody after the family. So your traditions, when an 80-year-old has a baby, I just want to get this down. <laughs> you name them after. Isn't God doing something different here? Isn't it obvious that God's doing something amazing? And you come in, oh, well, you know, our tradition is we just do it this way. Oh, yeah, I know God's doing something amazing, but hold on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you can't get saved that way. You can't, you know, be it this way. Our tradition is you've got to be this and you've got to do that or you've got to be baptized to go to heaven or whatever the man's tradition they throw in there that has nothing to do with the scriptures. I mean, let's look at God's traditions. God's tradition is, oh, yeah, Abraham and Sarah. He likes to do things that totally just blow our minds, that rock our world, that change our thought. That's God's tradition. You know, if we're going to have a tradition we live by, let's live by God's tradition. He's going to do something amazing that you wouldn't ever expect. Right? And when he does it, don't sit there and try to put your thing on it. Just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and let him do it. Well, we've got to name him this. So they're not going to listen to her, right? They go in verse, verse 62, right? So they, go, they, they made signs to his father and what he would be called. These guys are bright, right? You've you got to admit, Zachariah's got to be going insane. He was deaf. They're making signs to him. He's not, or not deaf, he was mute. He couldn't speak. He wasn't deaf. They're making signs to him. Could you imagine, for over nine months there, people are treating him like he's deaf and dumb and making signs. It's like, I can write, I can hear what you're saying. But they come making signs, treating him like he can't even hear them. Right? You know, it might be good if you're deaf, you know, I don't know what happens. When you're 80 years old and you have a newborn, who wakes up in the middle of the night to take care of him? 
Not Zechariah. I can't hear him red first. He's crying. I can't hear a thing, honey. I'm out of that. I pretend that. I mean, there's a couple. I do sleep a lot deeper than Heidi, but there was sometimes. Yes, if I just continue to not move. Don't move. Don't move. She'll move first. She'll break. She'll go get him before I do. I know you guys have done that. You know? So what happens at 80, you know? But here's something else. I was wondering, if you look at it, right? The angel said, until these things come to pass, you're going to be mute. How many days has it been since the baby was born? Eight days. He's still not talking. Wouldn't that be concerning you? Be like, okay, the angel said this, the baby's here, but I'm still mute. I don't know, but I'd be like pacing at that point, you know? Wow, and so many months to think about that day, I'm going to be able to say something finally. Say something, I wanted to get this off my chest. No, I mean, and then eight days pass, right? And in verse 63, it says, And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote down, saying, His name is John. And so they all marveled. I understand naming a kid can be hard. She wants this name, you want that name. But really? They're all excited. Oh, yeah, it's John. I mean, with everything that happened, they marveled at them agreeing on the same name. He was mute. It's not like they couldn't have had this conversation beforehand, right? Okay, let's go ask the dad. Well, he's not going to name him after him. Oh, that's so weird. Can you believe that? That couple that just, you know, 80 years old, just had a baby. They're not naming them after the family. Wow, that's amazing, ain't it? How about the fact she's pregnant? How about the fact that you think he wasn't saying, hey, he's supposed to be the forerunner for the Messiah? Mary came, Mary came. She's pregnant with the Savior. I mean, well, no, we're going to marvel at the name. These people are interesting. I don't don't know about your neighbors, but these are some interesting neighbors. Family, relatives. It's kind of interesting, though, I, I... I've had that happen in some senses, right, family? They're, they're good-hearted. They mean things. But, you know, when, when we started the school of ministry, there was a couple family members like, why are you going to do that? Really? Tim's going to be in the school of ministry? You sure? He's called to be a pastor? It's like, what's the worst thing that can happen? I'm going to go learn about the Bible. Half... And you're worried. you got concerns. Well, we need to sit down and have a talk. You know, this could be real. What? I mean, it was interesting, right? Hey, what's going on, you know? Yes, we're really concerned Tim might be studying the Bible. See, and they did have justification, because I'm standing here now, no? (laughs) So they're worried for you all, no? But no, it just shows how gracious and awesome God is, (laughs) even in my life. But you see that, and you just wonder, you know, and and you go out, and and you see people get all excited because somebody got healed, or this happened, and they prayed for them, and they're waiting for these big miraculous signs. And you see when Jesus healed people, what always went along with that? Your sins are forgiven. Remember, they bring the one man to him, and he says first to him, he says, hey, today your sins are forgiven. Eh. And then they heal his arm. Oh, wow, look. Well, it's harder to say, Jesus said. I mean, I can say that, and there's no proof, and I can heal him. And you want to say, hey, why can't I forgive somebody? It's amazing. We go out and we're praying with people. We're watching people's hearts change. Some might not even accept Christ, but as they start to learn, it's like kind of like their lives start to change. They start to see the light of God. It's an amazing thing. You know, it sounds, kind of can sound glorious. Yeah, we go to the park and we're praying with people. And, and you know, you can get this picture in your head that it's not. It it can seem a lot more glorious than it is. But yet, it is more amazing than we could ever imagine. 
more amazing than we ever imagined. You're just, ah, oh, I was just sharing with that person. You know, it didn't seem like a big deal. I kind of prayed for them. They weren't excited. Who knows how God's going to be using that in their life, where that leads to. How many times those things just blossom into amazing stuff, how God's working. You know, it's funny because sometimes when I feel the least available, the least wanting to pray with someone, you know, like, oh, man, somebody needs, not you guys. Okay, I'll be working on a roof or something's going on and you're beat. It's just always the wrong time, right? And you pray with somebody and you encourage somebody. I mean, there was a, a, a man I ended up encouraging who's a pastor in Lodi and he was just talking with me and talking. I started asking him some questions and I just, you know, prayed with him and uh, Mark Thompson and, and later he's just, man, you don't realize how much God used that to me. I mean, God just used you to confirm that I was called here. It was amazing. I'm thinking... That was, I wasn't being very spiritual at that point. I actually could have, normally I would have talked to you longer. I actually prayed so we could end the conversation. I mean, <laughs> that, I mean, I was burnt, you know. But how God can use those things way more than you imagine. Me, I was just talking. I was just being Tim. I just, some scripture came to mind, just shared it, just prayed for him. And God totally used it. Way more than I could ever imagine. Blows me away on how much God moves it. And then it, when he like, goes, oh, I appreciate you for it. I like, I feel so bad because I was like not there in my heart at all. You know, not spiritual at all, which that's how God sometimes uses me. But we look here and we see Zechariah and how God uses that in this time of delay. I mean, you think of waiting all this time, right? Waiting all this time. But let's look. God kind of gives Zechariah a second chance here, Right? Because what did he respond? His John, his name might be John. Maybe we should suggest John. John would be a good name. I was kind of, no, he goes, his name is John. Where did he get that from? The angel. Is that a believing angel now? He's like, no, I'm not doing another nine months. <laughs> his name's John. We're done. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting all the way in this. But, you know, you look at that and and immediately, in verse 64, it says, immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke and praised God. Man, first time in how long? Nine plus months. Was he bitter? Why did he got to do this, man? I had to sit here and then, I've been wanting to tell you, honey, for nine months not to, no. He's praising God. He takes that time. All the things, all those things coming upon him, you know. And then fear came upon all those who dwelt around him, and all these sayings were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child can this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Man, fear came upon him. So these people around him are, are scared. They got fear came upon him. Why did fear come upon him? The Messiah's coming. We got the precursor. I mean, this should be a time of rejoicing, right? Wow, this. And now he, he comes out and he's praising God. This is what happens. And, and he can go back through the whole story. Well, I was actually there with the angel. He said this was going to happen. I didn't believe him. And he, this happened. And, and they're scared. Fear came upon them like, oh no, what's going to happen? How's this going to work? What's going to happen with the government? Is this going to be a, uh, you know, is a Rome going to come in and try to put down this, is this, you know, what's going to happen politically here? And there, I mean, you know, Herod, Herod, 
ain't all for a new king. He isn't going to allow this to happen. Is he going to come in and what's going to happen? And they had fear. Fear came upon them. You know, I'm thinking nine months not being bitter. What did this produce, man? If God gave you a promise like this, would you be pouring through the scriptures? Going, wait, my son is going to be preparing the way for Christ. What does that look like? The Messiah is coming. I'd be all in it. Be studying, looking through, wanting to know. Be preparing. You know, and, and many times in our lives when those things come up and, and, and those trials come up and, and things and we're in a time of delay, what is our response? Dear God, why did you allow this? God, you must not love me. You hate me. If you really loved me, you would have done this and you did that. Or you're going, okay, God, you've got a purpose in this. What are you doing? Okay? If, if I'm hurting and I can't do this and I can't do that and I don't have strength to do that, then let us pray. You know, many times I sat down with Heidi and she goes, why has God called me to homeschool? Why has God called me to this? And why has God called me to this and not given me the strength for it? Then let's ask him for the strength for it each day. I said not to, not to pray about this being taken away from you, but we can pray for the strength today. We can pray for each symptom. How about we do that? Maybe that's a little... All right, just, we'll just pray for every symptom to go away, right? You can keep the diagnosis. We'll take the symptoms out. But no, God's been faithful, and sometimes it's hard. But we pray, and we seek God, and God produces things in that. God changes us. God builds our character. God gives us a hope, and we see him work. When it's, when it's our strength and our ability, then it's easy. Yeah, Tim went and did this, and Tim messed that up. It's easy to figure out. Many times I sit there when it's not my strength and go, wow, look what God did in spite of me. And you know where your strength comes. You know where those things come from. Many times he likes to use us in our weakness. The problem with me is I'm very, um, I don't listen to my body much. I push it really far. So it takes me a long time to get to that point of weakness. <laughs> I'm stubborn in that way. I mean, yeah, I can do almost, yeah, you know, this. I, I, I remember, I, like, I can work on cars. I understand cars. There's been times we would break down, and the car breaks down, and I'm at the side of the road, and I'm trying to figure it out. I know cars. I help other people at the side of the road with cars. I'm sitting there fighting with it, fighting with it, fighting with it, because I know what to do, and I know how to do it right. And finally, some beautiful young woman leans out the window and goes, Honey, do you want to pray about it? No! Give me another hour or two of beating my head on this car at the side of the road and burning my back and whatever, you know? And then we pray about it and, you know, oh, wow, look, that wire fell off there and you hook it and you're good. You know, if I stop at the side of the road, it amazes me, man. I pull over to the side of the road, somebody's car broken down, yeah, it's doing this and this and this, and it's like, it's a God thing. It's like, wow, that's, it's got to be the gift that helps or something because it's like it's so easy to fix. So many times, I mean, crazy things. We're down... An axle broke on a car, a Honda, when we were down at the visiting Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa with the school. Jeff Lovelady, who you guys know him, his axle broke on his Honda, snapped in the parking lot. Okay? Well, I don't know. We don't have any tools. Let me see if I can find one at AutoZone. My brother picks it up. We bring it there. In, in literally 30 minutes, we put an axle on a car in a parking lot in Costa Mesa with what they had in a golf cart for tools. Happened to have the right pipe wrench to get the... Uh, you know what I mean? If it was my car, pff, yeah, I would have been there for days trying to get that thing fixed, you know? Just happened to call my brother, yeah, what are you doing? Nothing. Around the corner, I mean, he lives down there, I mean, it was just like, really? I mean, if this is my car, Lord, it wouldn't have worked out that way sometimes, you know? But you see God 
do those things in my strength, how many times I fell, but when it's in his strength, how many things just click and it works and it's a blessing. And, and even sometimes just even quieting my mind. I mean, the best time I do studying is when I'm wiped out so I can shut up enough to hear him. You know, it, it kind of stinks, frankly. But, you know, I have to get tired. I got to be worn out. We wake up first thing in the morning, it is so hard. Man, I got a thousand things going a hundred different ways to get my mind sort of like, you know, I got to go tear off a roof or something to chill out. I don't know. But, you know, sometimes we do that in our own strength. And now we see Zachariah as he's studied, as he's waiting, as he's even handicapped. What does a, what does a priest do who can't speak? Well, I guess you're stuck to just studying, right? God's, you know, God, you made me a priest and now I can't talk? What are you doing here? You know? It's like, I've had two back surgeries, man. Every time before the back surgery, how am I going to do roofing with a bad back, Lord? Don't you understand how this works? You know, I've got to use my back, you know. And uh, God's been faithful every time, you know. Still be able to walk in that area and stuff. And that's where Zachariah, I'm sure, was. And he opens up his mouth and he's praising God. And now, verse 67 says, And now that his father, Zechariah, was full of, with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying... Now we've seen John being filled from birth with the Holy Spirit. We've seen Elizabeth being full of the Holy Spirit and prophesying and, and, and ministering kind of to Mary there. And now we see Zechariah full of the Holy Spirit. And he starts to prophesy. And he's speaking of the things that God's going to be doing through the person of Jesus Christ. Through Mary's child. Through our Savior. It says, verse 68 says, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has come and visited us. God is with us. God has come and he's redeemed his people. Redeemed to, to, to take back. I mean... It's an interesting word. I don't know how many times we redeem it. I mean, I guess you could say with recycling, you're redeeming that five cents they charge you when you go to recycle. I know there used to be like these box top redemption things when I was a kid. They were probably just going out, you know, you collect enough, you know, General Mills box top things and those things to save up and, and be able to redeem them for a prize or a reward, you know. And he has come, the Lord God of Israel has come to redeem them. What an awesome statement. Verse 69, and it says, He has risen up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. A horn of salvation, speaking of Jesus, right? A horn, it's kind of an interesting thing. A horn of salvation, I'm like, what, like a cup that they use as a horn? I don't know. But it was a horn like a bullhorn, like on an animal. A horn of salvation. When they talked about a horn in Israel, it was like, okay, a bull is sitting there ready going to charge you. Yeah, there's, there's a horn coming at you, and it's not a horn of salvation, but it's intent, it's sharp, and it's dangerous. It's, it's, it's serious, right? And the scripture is, he's raised up a serious, sharp object for salvation. He's, he is intent on salvation. He is set to it. Just like a bull's mind is set at whatever it's going to go out, it's going to charge. Yep, God, God is intent on having a horn of salvation. God is intent on salvation, what an amazing thing, right? He's intent, like he's going to charge like a bull. Man, Zechariah's like, man, the Savior's coming, and he's coming through like a bull in a china shop. You know, he's going to take everything out. Salvation is coming, right? In verse 17, he said, 
And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophet, who had been since the beginning of the world, right? His holy prophet that's been since the beginning of the world, that we should be saved from our enemies. Who's going to save us from our enemies? Jesus is going to save us from our enemies, right? And from the, from the hand of all those who hate us, to perform merciful promises to the Father or to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, right? Jesus fulfilling that holy covenant, coming for his people, his promised people, the promise of mercy, the oath which he swore to our fathers Abraham and granted to us, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, mighty, serving him without fear. It's amazing as he goes through this section speaking of our Savior, speaking of how those promises are going to be fulfilled. He understood that John was a forerunner to the Messiah and what God was doing. And first, as he prophesies and goes through this, it's all about what God's doing. That we would be able to serve him without fear. But not maybe in the way Zechariah had thought. You know, we can do and serve and live this way because of Jesus. Now, in this country, we don't have a great fear of worshiping him. And, man, we, if you serve God, it's, you're going to get strung up. But there was a time, you know, the term Roman candles come from them lighting Christians on fire. Children, women, and burning them in Rome at a time. There was going to be a time where worshiping would cost your life. But that's not why Jesus came. That's not why we can serve him without fear. You know, Zachariah's probably thinking, Rome's out of here, we'll be able to serve him the way we want. But Jesus came and goes, yeah, we can serve him without fear. You know why? Because death has no power. Death no longer has any power over us. Jesus came to give us life now and forever, right? Not just a better life now, or, or her, 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 about a better you, you know? This self thought of self-help, but he came to give us power over death and sin. You look at the disciples and you go, how can this be? They I mean, they're singing in their chains. They're praising gods when, when they're locked up. You look at all the things they went through and, and were they able to serve him without fear? Yeah, they served God without fear of God because they didn't fear men at all. You know, and as we see this, that we, we're going to be saved from our enemies. Yeah, they can take our life, but that doesn't, that's not the end of us. That's, that's nothing. There's, there's, death has no sting, no power. There is nothing that is ever going to take us as believers out of God's hand. There's nothing. They take your life. They deliver you right there. God, in, in John when I was reading through things and, and, and was going through the cancer stuff, God gave me the scripture in John that he goes and prepares a place for us that he might receive us to him and he'll come and get us. You don't die as a believer. He's coming and getting us. You know, there's nothing that can take us out. What an awesome thing compared to before this. Talk about scary. We're hoping the Messiah comes. We're hoping this. Now there's this time the Messiah has come. We don't have to fear. We can serve God openly. There's nothing that's going to take us away different than probably Zachariah had thought. You know, not freedom from the Roman government, but freedom from sin and death. No, no offense, I'd prefer sin and death over any government, having free from that. 
Now, I'd rather have eternity and be able to live a life without sin instead of an oppressive government. I'll take the oppressive government. Give me, give me liberty and life over sin and death, man. So much more. You know, we can live a new life. In, in verse 75, it says, In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. We can live holy and righteous. What an amazing thing. And holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. We can live a holy and righteous life. Over sin. Power over sin. A new life. A different life. Different than the old life. An amazing life even after death. You know, we, we, we get so focused so many times on this, this life that we let the fear of what's going to happen in this life. We let how many things in this life dictate how we live compared to the reality of what we're living in. We have eternity with Christ. My dad had that perspective. It was coming soon for him. He knew it was coming soon. There's some of us in here. God might like you more than we do and take you sooner than you thought. That could be coming sooner than you could imagine. And yet... We should have a new life. It should look old, different than the old. You know, Chuck Smith at one point, I mean, he was, he was kind of on fire in a sense of, or riled up or, yeah, on fire, I guess. He didn't get too, uh, too lively, but one point in one teaching he got lively. And, you know, if, if you still look like the same person you did before you got saved, something's wrong with you. You should be different. You're a new creation. You shouldn't look the same. It should be an old life and a new life, and it should be evident. We have a new life in Christ. We have this thing, the Savior is coming. Zachariah stoked the Savior's coming. We're going to be free. Free in way more than he could have ever imagined. Free from sin, free from death. You know, in verse 76, he goes on to talk about John and his ministry. 76, it says, And you, child, you will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the face of the Lord, preparing his way to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercies of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us. Man, what a mission, right? Before you're born, what are you called to do, man? You're going to be full of the Holy Spirit. You're going to give the knowledge of salvation you get to go before it. All the other prophets through the whole testament are going to be sitting there looking at you because you're going to be the one that on that day will sit there and go, hold, behold the Messiah. Behold the Son of God. Behold our Savior. He's the only one that's going to do that. All tough prophets. You're going to be the, the greatest prophet because you get to actually point to him. You're going to be there on that day through the tender mercies of our God with which the day spring and its capital Dayspring, or the, the morning star from the east, is rising. God is rising. This time, this season, and all creation is, is coming. He's coming to visit us. It's God, Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's coming to be with us. This is breaking loose here in the Bible, and, and, and Zechariah is just pouring out, prophesying. What an amazing thing. What an amazing time that God is coming with us, right? And in verse 79 it says, to give light into the dark earth, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. 
So the child grew and became strong in the spirit and was in the desert until the day of his manifestation till Israel. So now John, what an awesome calling, right? Here John has this calling and, and his dad recognizes the calling. Not, oh yeah, I, I get what the angel is saying. Man, I'm on board. I'm going to raise this child. He's going to have a Nazarite vow. He isn't going to be drinking wine. He, he's, he's not cutting his hair. He, he's going to be living. He's going to be holy. He's going to be set apart. He's not going to live like the other kids. And who knows how long his parents were alive and around, you know? But we see him. He's out in the, in the desert. He's out in the wilderness. Here, you're going to be the prophet. You're going to be preparing the way. And where are you going to go? The temple? Jerusalem? No, I'm going to send you out to the desert. Not the way he probably would have thought, you know? Other people, yeah, John, that guy, yeah, yeah, he's going to be this. Where is he at? He's out in the middle of nowhere. He's not in a temple? Really? Yeah, his dad was a priest, right? Shouldn't he be a priest? Yeah, John should be a priest. Where's John? John's out in the desert. Kind of interesting. So John had a calling on his life. He did not fit in with everybody else. He wasn't wearing, we'll see, the clothes and the, the everything else that the world would expect. His life looked different. He didn't look like everybody else. Our lives should look different. We should look different. We are filled with the same Holy Spirit as John, the Bible says. When you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells on you. There's an upon experience. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Like John. Guess what? We have a calling like John. Here, let me share your calling like John. Ready? Back to verse 79. To give light to those who sit in the darkness and the shadow of those in death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. We are called to be light, to give light, to be the salt and the light of this earth, to those who sit in darkness. You know, and, and, and you slow down, you look, and you go, man, do I sit in darkness? Do I really love, I mean, you look at darkness and light, and you see this again and again in the Bible, and I sit there and go, you know, am I a light? Am I a light? Am I excited about it? Do I... Or, or do I look at it differently? Is there a way? You know, John 3.16, that, that portion of Scripture, it's, it's uh, let's turn there, John 3.16. Many times we read John 3.16 and we don't read what's after it. You know, it's probably the most quoted verse in the Bible. It's on the bottom of In-N-Out cups, if you didn't know. Next time you go to In-N-Out and flip it up, there's verses on the bottom of the cups. But John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, let's read on. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He, verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes into the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. 
Men chose to choose darkness over light. Isn't that the freakiest thing ever? I mean, it amazes me when you sit there and you share God's light in this thing and they choose darkness. And then I sit there and go, do I ever choose darkness? No. Yes. Man, what do I watch? What do I love? What am I seeking after in my life? Do I allow, do I make choices where I'm looking at dark things in the dark world? What are you watching? I mean, there's TV shows, there's all kinds of things and go, man, is there any area where I love darkness? You know, you walk me under the right car, car lot, oh man, I, the darkness starts to creep in. And yeah, man, if I could only afford a $100,000 truck. No, I mean, they're pretty, but that's not what we're to be about. We're supposed to be about the light. We're supposed to be sharing light into the darkness. But God, I could use that truck for so much ministry. No. I could deliver bread or no, you know. But my heart can get off on that. If I'm going to do that, if I'm going to go after those things, what's the cost of that truck? What's the cost of my time? What's the cost of it? You know, it doesn't seem, you know, some of you, that's not a struggle. For me, it could be. I'd rather, well, what are you called to? Well, if it's going to take me out of what God's called me to, it's going to sidetrack me, then it's darkness. It's darkness. Self-seeking. Sadly, a lot of churches preach self-seeking. Love yourself. This about yourself. You don't even learn nothing about yourself. You know enough about yourself. I know enough about myself. Myself smacks mics. No, myself is evil and wicked. It's not good. There's no, nothing, I, I, that's all I need to know is I'm a sinful man. What I need to learn is more about God. What I need to do is take the time to love God and love my neighbors. The Bible says love the Lord your God yourself first and love your neighbors as yourself. Not seek yourself first. You know, love yourself first and then love your neighbors. Or first you've got to love yourself before you can love your neighbor. No, you know how to love yourself. I don't think anybody has a problem taking care of themselves in here, feeding themselves. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is returning. There is going to be a great day of joy and rejoicing. But at the same time, there are those that hear that, and when they hear those words, Jesus is returning, they're fearful. They're like these people. They're scared of what's going to happen. They don't know Jesus. They don't have a relationship with God, and they're scared. If, you know, many times when I was a kid, you hear of, you know, some of those movies come out, and you talk about freaky movies as a kid when you look through revelations of raptures happening, and it's like, will I go? What happens if I don't go? And you know, all these fears come up and you now, as you grow and you go, man, that's going to be an awesome day. I cannot wait for it. You know, when I was younger, it's like, first I need to learn how to ride a bike. And then I want to have my license. And then I want to have, God, don't come back before I don't get to learn it. I want to drive before I get raptured. Okay. Well, better than break dancing. But, um, <laughs> oh, I know. love that. You know. Anyways. But, you know, there's going to be a day of rejoicing. There's going to be times to rejoice. There are some things you go through, and they're hard, and it, it's like you come through them, and they've been such a trial, you don't even know how much God's produced. It's like almost kind of coming out of a fog, and, it, and it's getting, and it's kind of heavy in there. Um, I'm going to share about Phil a little. If you didn't know, Phil, Phil is our official worship leader. Um, Pat made him our official worship leader before he left. That wasn't my thing. Not that I'm not against it, I'm totally for it. But, so you're aware, I don't think we quite announced it. But, I love my brother-in-law. This guy was violent. No offense, he was violent. Him and his brothers in football and everything else. 
And then he has some health issues. He has a, a surgery in his head and almost dies and all this stuff and it throws his hormones all off. And this man who was violent, carefree, you were worried about letting your kids play with him because he could hurt them, God takes it, allows him to go to a point where he has got anxiety, where he's choking on water and he's starving to death. Wow, what a hardship, what a thing. But now you see him up here and he's doing worship and there's still struggles. They're still there, but you see what God's doing in his life. He was serving in worship before, then taken down where he physically couldn't get up and do it. Why, Lord, why all this stuff? And, and I love him to death and watching him go through it and hard to see. But see how God works in his life, how God's changing him, how much God's grown him through that. You know, and just talking to him this morning, just going, isn't this amazing? I mean, I love this. Fellowship right now here is awesome. I mean, it's like when the church grows, it's just going to get harder. Right now, there's just like, I know you guys. Man, what a great group of people. This is a cool net family, you know? We're all a little dysfunctional, but all manageably dysfunctional. <laughs> you know? I love it. I love how God's working. I go, you know, one day God might grow this thing and then, it, then we'll be looking back. I'll remember when it was just the small group and it was so easy and we could get out there and, and you were goofy and funny and now you're just old. No. You know, less hair, whatever. You know, you could stand and walk or whatever, you know. What a great time, you know, and a time just uh, looking at him going, man, this is a time to just rejoice at what God's done in your life. Another stage, another point, you know, hearing his granddaughter coming to the Lord. Wow, amazing. But also, there's going to be that joy. And that joy is either going to take place when we get raptured or the day you die. It's going to be a time to rejoice. It's going to happen. You know, there's going to be a day. There's going to be rejoicing when you come home. Come home to God, our Father. Come home together to walk into his presence. What an amazing thing. So awesome to see. And the last part here, it said what? To guide our feet into the way of peace. Peace that passes understanding. I've heard it, I've, and just listening to pastors share through all kinds of circumstances, when my dad was sick, this peace that comes. When you're sitting there in a, what seems like a hard, painful delay, and God gives you his peace, and he works in it. When we see our bodies fail, you know, it, it's amazing as, as you know, people, and, and like even Pat Carter, and just praying with him, and as his body's failing, he has a peace. And just a joy. Seeing him in the hospital, he's got this thing on, he's joking about what he looks like because he's got this whole breathing mask, you know, on. And he's like, oh, I look like him, you know. And he's, he was having a good time. I'm like, dude, you're in the hospital, barely breathing. You can't laugh so much. You've got a slow breath, bro. <laughs> Telling stories and it just, you know. There's just a peace. His body's filling. It's going away, you know. I have a... a, a Guy worked for John Joel, his, his dad's a, a Nazarite bishop over the whole East Coast. And I was talking with him, and he had to go back because his dad fell again. They're talking about assisted living in these homes, and he goes, man, my dad is there, and it's so hard to see him like that. So hard to see him worn down. But man, when people come in to, for counseling, you get these different leaders coming in with issues. He just like totally lights up this whole other power, this whole other thing. And even though his body's failing, he's just going, God, I just, he just wants to run all the way to the end. He can't wait. And he goes, you know, it's amazing to see how his, his, his heart, even though his body isn't there, his heart isn't there, is there. I mean, he's, he had two strokes within 24 hours. These 
bishop, you know, these elders come in from different ministries to talk to him and minister him, and he's sitting there on IVs and goes, and my dad's getting up to pray for this guy's knee. You know, all these alarms are going off because he's getting out of bed. He goes, he's just his heart. He's, you know, the body's failing. It's falling apart. But what an amazing example, just an amazing example how he guides our way into peace, into his peace. Not into an easy life or these things, but into peace. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things, what if we don't if we don't? I mean, you see, Zechariah didn't trust the Lord at first. Painful delay, wasn't able to speak, right? But yet God restored him at a point. You see, Abraham. What happened when Abraham tried in his own strength to fulfill the promise of God or in his flesh? That didn't turn out too good for him. You know, what about, even worse than that, what about, is there examples that are, are really bad? Like, okay, Jonah, God does something awesome. He knows he's going to do it something awesome. And he's, God does something awesome. He curses God. Let me die because you're so awesome. You know, what about the children of Israel in the desert after they leave Jesus, Israel, or Egypt? They're there. God's providing for their needs. Again and again, God's providing for their needs. He's in their presence, pillar of fire by day or by night in a cloud by day and he's there and they doubt him and they don't enter the promised land at all. That whole generation passes away. We need to be ready to trust God even in the delay. We need to just trust him. Going, okay, God, I don't know delay, but if you're like me, you want to be busy, man. Telling, telling some of us to sit still is like the worst thing ever. You'd say, he'll go build the Golden Gate Bridge. I'd rather do that than sit still. Even though I never get it done, at least I'd have something to try at, you know? But sometimes it's sit still. Just be quiet and wait for God. Other times, be prepared, okay? There's a delay. I've been praying so long. I want to see these people get saved. I want to see my grandchildren come to the Lord. I want this and I want that. Okay, now what happens when they come to the Lord? Be ready to disciple them. Know your Bible. Live it. Be that example. Be prepared for those things. Zechariah knew it was coming. I'm sure he was digging through the scriptures. Why am I going to have a John, this wow prophet, coming before the Most High? How do how do you have a that promise of a child? How are you going to raise him? I mean, okay. What about Mary and Joseph? Any thoughts on how you would raise a Messiah? You got your parenting skills? You got your new book? How to raise a little baby Jesus? No. Maybe we should come out with it, write it, sell it. No. But the day of rejoicing is coming. And that's the thing is sometimes God delays and delays, but that promise comes. Elizabeth and Zechariah, I wonder if they were upset at all to get up and take care of a crying baby. I mean, they waited for that for years, right? What an amazing thing to see, that day of rejoicing coming. You know, maybe they're fighting over who got to take care of them, who got to hold them. <laughs> I get time with them, man, this is my child of promise. You know, and sometimes in our lives we, we can slow down and we forget the rejoicing we can have. We slow down, we get so focused on this and now and these things that are all going to pass away to forget that, hey, death has no sting. Nothing, I get heaven, man. There's no reason to be fretting over this, worrying over this. I know who God is. He, he's delaying, He's going to work in it. He's not done working. Keep praying as Elizabeth and Zechariah. Even their prayers were answered in old age. Let's pray.
worship team come up. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how much you love us. And even in the times of delays, those things that just seem hard, we don't understand that you are working in our lives, that are reactive, that you love us. God, those trials and hardships that you've, you've allowed them because you love us and there's a good purpose. God, help us to just be close to you, stay in your word, that you would just speak to us even through those hard times. God, and I just pray right now, Father, for everyone here. God, those things that are heavy on our heart, those trials in life, the, the struggles, the things that just occupy our mind, Father, that are a burden, that are sometimes just hard to set down, Father. We just pray you just pour your peace out upon us, God. That today we would know that the day of rejoicing is coming. That you love us, that you haven't forsaken us, and no matter when our bodies fail, when our, the, the world goes crazy, when our finances seem to fail, that our trust isn't in these things, Father, but in you, and you alone. God, just remind us on how much you love us, and that no matter what, we can just have peace in you. In Jesus' name, amen.